does shaming work as a method of behavioral modification? We want to modify someone else's behavior in our life. Rather, we be in a role of leadership in government, business, academics, community, religious organization, at work. Rather, we be in the role of a caretaker, a parent, a colleague, a friend, a brother, a sister, a neighbor, a spouse, a partner. Many times we resort to using the act of shaming as an attempt to modify others' behavior. And my guess is that for most of you listening to this podcast right now, you may not even be aware of when you're using shaming as a way to change the behavior of others. Here's some common examples. Talking down to, in a condescending tone, giving foreboding warnings, be careful if, if you don't stop this, I'm telling you. Sometimes there's not really a full end to that sentence, but it's just this foreboding feeling of impending doom that warns the person or the child that if you don't stop this, something really negative is going to happen to you. Another form of shaming is through body language. Research tells us that over 98% of our communication is transmitted to other people, not through what we say with our words, but through our facial expressions, our posture, our hand gestures, and other forms of body language. So just based on your body language, You can send a shaming signal to someone that you disapprove of what they've just done, what they said, the decision they made, or how they're behaving. Another example of shaming, one that you may not be thinking of, is gossip. Gossip can be used to shame other people to change your behavior. The message is that if you don't do what I want you to do or what I think you should do or that I hope you should do because I just care for you and I really want the best for you, even if it's well-intended, but because I'm so distressed about this, I've got to pick up the line and FaceTime someone or call them or inbox them or message them or text them and say, you cannot believe what XYZ Did you know that my daughter made this choice? Did you know that my um, manager did this? I don't agree with it. Let me tell you about how my neighbor is getting on my nerves. And oftentimes when we gossip, we share it in a way that it begins to travel or transmit through other people. Or even just the next time that you're with the person that you're gossiping about, there's that energy exchange where they can sense that there's been a prior conversation about you that you weren't present for. And all of us have been on the other side of that, on the the receiving end of that kind of shaming signaling and that shaming behavior through gossip. And it just, 
feels really, really, really unsettling at times. But with that being said, the point or the purpose behind the gossip is, you know what, if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm going to talk about you. I'm going to gang up on you. Or I'm going to shame you. Public shaming. And, you know, one of our greatest human needs from the time that we're born, that we hit the planet, is for validation and acceptance. And so the toughest person, the most callous person, the most confident person, the most spiritual person at the beginning and the end of every day doesn't want to be rejected. You know, they may not be greatly impacted by rejection or by gossip or by lack of acceptance of other people. But for most of us human beings, we want that acceptance. So these are some examples of of shaming behaviors and shaming signaling, as I like to call it, shame signaling, where you're giving a signal that your behavior is not okay. Um, There's two other ones I want to address, which are um, innuendos. So this is passive aggressive behavior. Um, where you're not, where, where you're shaming someone and you're not really being direct and clear that you're disapproving or you're directing this comment to them, but you're making, you know, vague statements, you know, some people who do this, da, 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 or, um, you know, I never did understand why so-and-so did this, but you're, you're making a reference to the exact same thing that the person you're trying to shame did. (laughs) Um, in our modern world, you know, now another example of that would be putting a post online immediately after you've thought something or felt something about someone or had an interaction with someone and you don't target that person directly. You don't tag them in the post. You don't even say their name, but you know, I've seen so many posts online and I really personally work to watch my own social media diet and how much I take in, but I'll read things on Twitter from time to time or Instagram or Facebook or things like that. And you'll see things in comments where people say, um, you know, you know, haters are going to hate that kind of thing. And it's, it's kind of like, okay, who are you talking about? Who's the hater? What just happened? You know, or, um, I'm learning, you know, another example I've seen comments like I'm learning more and more that people just can't be trusted or I'm learning more and more I I only can depend on myself or, um, you know, people better make better choices because the end results aren't good. You know, just things like that. It's like these vague innuendos or not direct targets or direct comments. Oftentimes, though, they're meant and intended to send a message to the person that we're shaming. And um, a lot of times people get defensive after they make those kind of comments or post those kinds of things and say, look, that wasn't about you. Or if you think that's about you, then that's your problem. Or, you know, you're so vain, you probably thought that post was about you. (laughs) That kind of thing. Um, But oftentimes they are subliminal messages, you know? And so I think that shaming someone else for their behavior even if it's a little child you know I don't like when you do that I'm really disappointed in you that makes me really unhappy um and I'm not saying that we don't discipline our children because we do need to discipline and provide boundaries and guidance 
Um, But we don't have to try to coerce them or manipulate them and get them to feel badly, you know, to recognize that they need to change their behavior. That's not, that's not required. And so, um, does it work? To an extent, yes, it will stop the behavior oftentimes of the person. You know, if you, if you cut your eye at your spouse enough times, every time he brings up a certain topic, he's probably going to be a lot more reluctant to bring that topic up with you. Um, we'll probably stop doing it as often or maybe altogether. Um, you know, if you sigh heavily every time your colleague asks you to do a certain task or your business partner makes a suggestion or your manager asks you to do something, you know, if you give out that heavy stressed or distressed sigh you know that gasp are they going to probably stop asking you to do certain tasks or talking to you about certain work related topics more than likely yes I mean obviously unless it's if it's not essential to your to your work function but when we shame other people to get them to modify their behavior it doesn't completely stop the behavior The only thing that it does is it stops the behavior from transpiring with you. So in other words, that person will shut down and they'll find another place to do these things or to behave this way, but it just won't be in your presence. Um, In treating addiction and, and working with families with addiction, and I don't just mean chemical addiction, by the way, like alcohol or heroin or methamphetamines. I also mean behavioral addictions, Um, you know, like workaholism or hyper-religiosity or um, shopping, gambling, overeating, undereating, gossiping, (laughs) cleaning excessively or obsessively. Those are all examples of common behavioral addictions that they're these repetitive behaviors that we can't seem to stop ourselves from doing um if we do it brings great discomfort and when we do these behaviors we we feel sort of like an endorphin or adrenaline or dopamine high neurologically um so even with addictions whether it's chemical addiction or behavioral addiction if you shame the person pertaining to the addiction you may think the behavior stops but it probably just stops with you there that person is more than likely going to continue that behavior in another environment where they feel safe to do so um that goes for sex that goes for drugs that goes for rock and roll (laughs) sex drugs and rock and roll um no but in all seriousness whatever it is they're just gonna shut down that behavior and for some people honestly listening to this you might say well good as long as they don't do this with me or around me you know hey as long as my child stops throwing tantrums with me I don't whatever I don't care I just want them to know that's not okay or you know as long as um my son doesn't bring home those friends when I'm home you know or what's around me you know not in my house kind of thing or as long as my husband um doesn't drink with me or as long as my wife um you know as long as she's um 
you know, not yelling with me or whatever it may be. I'm just giving different examples that are very common to our everyday lives. Again, it will stop with you, but it doesn't stop the behavior. So if your intention is to stop it with you, um, you probably will reach that goal. But if your intention is to uh, get another individual to change their behavior, then you want to ask yourself two questions. Number one, what is my motive behind it? So do I want them to change the behavior because I want to control them or manipulate them? You know, do I have an agenda for them? Do I, am I supposing that I know, that I know better for them what their life design should be? You know, we have to be careful of that because sometimes there's a lot of ego in that. Um, or do I really feel that them changing this behavior will produce a more healthy version of themselves? You know, I just want to see them heal. I want to see them recover. I want to see them live a healthy or their best life. Or they told me that they want to change. They told me that they want to live a better life. So I want to, you know, um, collaborate with them. And so if that's the case, before you give your feedback, whether it's in body language or in your words, always ask permission. Um, in marriage counseling and in family and parenting counseling, I often say never give un- unsolicited advice. And if you're still giving unsolicited advice, let this be your last day if you want to really improve your relationships um, across the board. Because when you ask permission and you can just ask a person when they talk to you about something, you can just say to them, how do you want me to be with you right now? And you can say to them, am I here to listen or would you like feedback? And if they say, no, I really don't want any feedback. I'm good. You don't have to fix me, you know then, you know, our feathers don't have to be ruffled by that because a part of evolving as a human being and as a spiritual being is being able to sit with someone in their sadness or in their state of um, frustration or lacking clarity and not feel that we have to fix them. We can just hold that space with them. So once you ask permission and you you understand that they do want your feedback, then at that point, um, you can start talking with them. And, and, you know, it's going to take some practice if this isn't something you've done before. But as they're talking with you, practicing sort of the art of letting go of the need to judge them and then definitely the need to shame them. You know, like whatever they say to you, whatever they tell you, however they're behaving, however they're acting just getting curious about, well, how can I help? How can I support? And because that person has probably already had such a heavily embedded shame conversation in their own inner dialogue, your presence of love and support will pierce their heart and give the hope and the possibility of them really opening up to you and sharing their truth and for them really opening up to you and beginning to change their own behavior from within that's sourced from a space of love and healing and patience and not from shame. So again, when we shame people, just remember that whatever critic and voice of criticism you have for them, their inner critic is far louder and far greater. If they're struggling with their weight, if they're struggling with their health, if they're struggling with their mental health, if they're struggling with their their debt or overspending or finances, if they're struggling with 
um, a series of broken relationships or breakups, more than likely their own inner critic is already, you know, yelling at how much they've messed up their life or messed up their health or whatever it may be. Um, So what most of us do not need is for you to come along and then sort of finish them off with that final layer of shame. And um, shaming is really a fear-based activity and a fear-based practice, and it's heavily steeped in our culture. So we all have to do a shame detox, honestly, because the way that our culture has been set up, shame has been used as a, as a really powerful tool. Um, even in the way that our criminal justice system is set up, you know, our legal institutions, our business institutions, um, our financial institutions. It's interesting, you know, if somebody can't pay a bill or, or settle a debt with a company, you know, just render the consequences to the person. They don't have to be shamed as well. Just say, hey, okay, yeah, you're going to lose your house. But <laughs> in our culture, we don't necessarily have to like threaten people and, you know, this is ridiculous and how could you let it get to this point and all of this because, you know, I mean, what point is that? You know, just render the, there are consequences. Obviously, everything has a cause and effect, but we don't have to bring the shame with it. Um, your child can have a consequence without them being in trouble, so to speak. The, the waters don't have to be troubled. They can just have a consequence. Okay, you lose this privilege. No, you cannot go outside and play today or no, you cannot use your technology or um, yes, you're going to have to pay a, pay some money for that item you broke or whatever, but it doesn't have to come with shame. So it's again, it's heavily steeped in our culture way before pre-colonial times in this country anyway, and definitely across the globe, really, shame has been used as a powerful weapon. And um, I think that we could do ourselves a great service to undo that narrative and rewrite our collective history and begin to use the voice of love and the voice of compassion and the voice of support versus shame in order to modify our own behavior, first of all, as well as those around us that are interested in having our support.